You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Mitsubishi Heavy Industries Group, global leaders in aerospace, developing Japan's first homegrown commercial jet and the country's next generation launch vehicle. On October 7th, the Washington Post Live traveled to New York City to learn how advances in technology, efficiency, and design are reshaping the future of aviation in the air and on the ground. With plans to enter the European market in 2021, JetBlue is optimistic about its future. In this segment, JetBlue CEO Robin Hayes will give his thoughts on how technology and regulation are shaping the aviation industry. Let's listen. Good morning, and thank you all for joining us here to New in New York for this, what will be a really interesting discussion about the aviation industry. I'm Lori Aratani. I'm one of the transportation writers at the Washington Post, and we're going to open our conversation this morning um, with one of the major players in the aviation industry, and that's Rob, Ro Robin Hayes, um, CEO of JetBlue. Good morning. So it's great to be here. Well, great. Um, I know these days air travel has never been as popular as it is now. It's right. very popular. Yeah. But we've also had um, a couple of high-profile crashes that have raised concerns about safety. So I'm curious what you think this means. What does it mean for the industry right now and going forward? <coughs> no, so I mean the, um, the two, two issues uh, that we've seen uh, recently with the uh, MAX airplane were obviously you know, of great concern and it's mm -hmm. important that we and the manufacturers and the operators get to the uh, bottom of what happened to make sure it doesn't happen again. But I think if you take a step back and look at the bigger picture, uh, the industry has never been safer. I mean, if you look at the um, way the industry and governments and regulators have collaborated now over uh, many decades, we have a, a situation where people really don't think twice about getting on a, an airplane because they have great confidence. And the US and the FAA has really led the way in that. We should be very, very proud of the efforts that have taken place uh, over the you know, many decades. Well, great. Well, I know no one in this room would, would fly anybody except for JetBlue, right? We've got that straight. <laughs> but do you think travelers have enough choice out there? Well, um, you know, since uh, I'm about to uh, uh, complain about competition, <laughs> the last thing I want to suggest is JetBlue should have a monopoly on anything. Uh, but uh, look, there's been a lot of consolidation in the U.S., and we really don't have a, a competitive industry. You know, we have uh, uh, domestically four large airlines that have about 80% of the share. Uh, you have legacy airlines who uh, haven't seen a high fare that they don't like. Uh, and it's really been, an, uh, it's really been the uh, low-cost carriers that have really taken hold in the U.S. and helped uh, bring airfares down. If you want an example, I was looking this morning, if I wanted to fly from here to uh, either DCA or Washington, which is a market that JetBlue doesn't fly, or Boston, which is right. one that we do from LaGuardia. And the fares to Boston uh, compared to uh, Washington are about a third cheaper and in fact if you want to wow. fly in a, and that's if you want to fly today if you want to fly in about 10 days time they're about half the fare so there are many 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 examples where when leg legacy airlines don't really compete with each other when they fly on the same route uh, they love the high fares and it and it requires airlines like JetBlue to come in and, and keep fares low and keep aviation more accessible is there something government, are there steps the government could be taking to foster more competition or more? Well, I think one of the big topics for us over the last few years has been the joint ventures. You know, I talked mm -hmm. about uh, the domestic landscape, but uh, it's even harder internationally. If you look, say, between the US and, and Europe, you think there's about 12, 15 airlines flying. 
Uh, but there really isn't. You know, there are three large uh, joint ventures. Uh, in these joint ventures, uh, these airlines have a permission slip to uh, collude, uh, set pricing, set scheduling uh, together. Look, if it happened in any other industry, they'd march you off to the penitentiary. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> in, in aviation, it's taken hold, and it's really challenging because it means now, if we look, say, between here and Europe, you have um, a most of the business in the hands of three large joint ventures, and that's why you get such high uh, fares. I mean, if you want again want to fly from here to London in the next few days, you're going to be pay thousands of thousands of dollars, and it's really uh, a service that is just not worth that much. Well, that's a perfect segue into. I understand that you all are going to be launching service into London in 2021, yeah. and that's a tough market because of what you talk about. So, tell us. Tell yeah. us what your plan is and... Well, it, it's tough to get in there because uh, uh, the assets are all, again, controlled by these uh, large joint ventures, but the need is great. Yeah. You know, when JetBlue started flying from uh, the Northeast to the West Coast uh, back in 2014 with our Mint experience, uh, we've seen premium fares uh, halve in that thing since then, and the market's expanded. So we see the same opportunity to uh, London and to other European markets where the feds have got so obscenely high that for a low-cost carrier to come in and discipline the market, uh, lower fares, uh, create more availability, uh, I think that's a good thing. And it will mean that um, we'll, we'll be able to grow that market in the same way we've seen the market between the East and the West Coast mm -hmm. grow I understand too. there's something like called the JetBlue effect? Yeah, the JetBlue effect. Actually, we didn't name it that. I mean, it's a great piece of branding, <laughs> but it was actually uh, a, it was a survey that was done many years ago uh, by uh, one of the universities that looked at the effect of pricing. But you see it. I mean, just look at markets in New York where a legacy airline flies uh, without competition and one where JetBlue flies against them, and you see a massive difference in the, uh, in the fares. So we might be seeing that once you start up in London? Oh, yeah. I mean, now we're going to cut – we're going to improve service. We're going to cut fares dramatically. I mean, the, uh, the you should not be paying eight, $9,000 to fly to Europe from, from the U.S. You should be paying a fraction of that, and that's what we're going to do. Well, great. I'm sure that's good news for anyone who tra does business in London. Mm. Let's see. Well, I know that one thing that's also been a big topic is climate change. Yeah. Um, and few industries are as affected by yeah. weather as aviation. We're seeing stronger hurricanes. And, you know, in some cases, I know out in Arizona a few years ago, the temperatures were so hot, yeah. planes couldn't take off. So can you talk about how climate change is influencing how JetBlue does business? Sure. So, I mean, the aviation industry has to, has to take, and I think for the most part is taking the uh, topic of sustainability extremely seriously. You know, uh, depending who you talk to, uh, aviation is responsible for, you know, around two, you know, between two and three percent of carbon emissions. So it's a significant amount. And so we have to, uh, you know, we have to uh, address that. And, uh, you know, actually a few years ago, th um, the industry, again, collaborated with governments to create uh, Corsair, which is a global uh, um, uh, carbon offsetting and reduction mm -hmm. uh, scheme for aviation, which says by 2020, uh, we want to have uh, our carbon emissions uh, back to where they were in 2005, mm -hmm. and by 2050, we want to have them at 50% of that level. So it's a major commitment to uh, reducing the impact in the footprint of carbon on our industry. Um, it really requires a few things to happen. You know, first of all, the new generation of engines, which we're starting mm -hmm. to see. I mean, we just took delivery of our first uh, 321 with a new engine option on it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and those engines are about 16 to 20 percent more fuel efficient. So that's a big that's commitment. Uh, secondly, we need to see a more uh, efficient air traffic control. 
a system. You know, we don't have time to talk about that today, uh, but um, whether it's here or Europe or other uh, countries around the world, we're seeing an increased amount of carbon emissions just by airplanes circling, uh, waiting to land, waiting to take off, uh, because the system is not operating as efficiently as it could. It's operating very safely, uh, but it's based on some very old technology. And uh, um, uh, for the third, the third thing, and the other thing that has to fall in place is the development of a, a scalable, uh, sustainable aviation fuel um, market. And I think that's where we as an industry have to work much harder and collaborate with partners that can make that happen. You know, we are all making investments in, in this sustainable uh, aviation fuel market, but it's not yet of the scale that it needs to be for us to hit these Corsair targets and and the challenge is if if the industry does not affect uh, take this seriously uh two things will happen first we're going to see more and more people who uh view aviation as an evil uh, and not want to fly um, we're already starting to see that in some parts of the world right. mm -hmm. and secondly uh, you know governments will use that as an excuse to tax uh people because let's say if we can tax it we can call it a green tax and you know, many cases, maybe governments will reinvest that in green technologies, but there's also been examples where they don't. And the industry is already taxed. I mean, over 20% of your domestic ticket in the U.S. is already going to taxes. And also, the problem with taxes is it prices, it prices many people out of flying. And we right. don't think aviation should just be something that rich people uh, can enjoy. So we have to get to grips with the uh, technology. But, you know, uh, and it's at airports too. I mean, we've had a great partnership with the Port Authority here in... Uh, New York at JFK, and uh, we're switching all of our ground equipment by the end of the year over to electric ground equipment, mm -hmm. uh, and all these things can make a small difference as well. And I understand this isn't this is about being green, but it also makes financial. In some cases, it really it helps the bottom line. Yeah, I mean the uh, uh, aviation uh, the cost of fuel is a massive cost for airlines. Mm -hmm. uh, usually, your first or second cost. Uh, you know, usually people is your number one right. and mm -hmm. fuel number two or can be vice versa. But absolutely, I mean, the, from an economic perspective as well, airlines have every incentive to uh, invest in this. So I know JetBlue is celebrating its 20th birthday, are, 20th yes, anniversary this year. So back when it was founded, I remember yeah. it, it's... Um, the founder said its mission was to bring humanity back to air travel, and yeah. doesn't everybody want that? Yes. And then I guess a few years ago, you talked about inspiring humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about what JetBlue does to do that, to make to make yeah. people be nicer? Yeah. And no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, so David Nilman, who uh, founded us, and, and Dave Barger as well. So in fact, we just, uh, David was back last week because we just named the first A321neo airplane right, after yeah. him. Uh, so we had him and his family in our terminal for the first flight uh it actually been used some for a few flights before we didn't you know wanted to test it out make sure it was going to be perfect and um uh you know we were talking about this topic because uh 20 years on it it the need is as great as ever you know we talked about the consolidation you know we talked about you know airlines have continued to um uh increase fares uh take the legroom away from people and and there's a need for airlines that, that want to be uh, different. And you know, at JetBlue, our, what we say is we don't think people should have to choose between bad service and or low fares. You know, you should be able to have good <laughs> yeah. service and low and fares. And, and that's very important. And culture is the heart of that. I mean, now right. people have to want to come to work every day feeling inspired and feeling that they're part of uh, something different. And it starts on the first day. You know, when you join JetBlue, uh, your first day is down at JetBlue University in Orlando. It's every other Wednesday. I'm going down tomorrow night for this Wednesday's mm -hmm. class. And, 
and we spend the first day with them as a leadership team and we talk about what we're trying to do and why we're different and uh, it goes from it goes on from there uh, you know as as leaders we spend a lot of time uh, working the operation with our crew members whether it's cleaning airplanes or helping in in airports or move bags and and that's very important because all of our crew members need to feel that we're part of the same right. team with one one mission and I understand that you, you JetBlue also has a toehold in Silicon Valley where yeah. you're, you've got an yeah. innovations lab. Can you talk about some of the things that are coming? Yeah, we, we set up uh, JetBlue Tech Ventures um, uh, a few years ago. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of things taking place. And we didn't really feel we had our arms around it. You know, mm -hmm. we'd always been proud of ourselves as being an innovative company. You know, it was the first um, uh, airline to have live TV, uh, first airline to offer high-speed free Wi-Fi. Uh, and we, s we have that today, you know, 100% of JetBlue flights are for free high-speed Wi-Fi. And, and yet we knew that there was, you know, continuing uh, change around us. And everyone is so busy in JetBlue, you know, kind of doing what they're doing. And so we really created this as a window in the world to see what was going on. And it's been incredible when we're looking at now some of the, not just um, startups that we've invested in, but now how they're helping JetBlue be better. Right. So, you know, yeah. one of our startups is a company called Gladly, and now we've used, we start, we've put them in our contact center, so we now have a single view of the customer. However you contact JetBlue, email, Twitter, phone, we have a single view. We didn't have that before. Climacell is helping us having really, really um, accurate weather forecasts in airports because mm -hmm. of, you know, if we know a thunderstorm is 20 minutes away, uh, different to what the mathematical models used by weather service today is, is saying that can make a big difference mm -hmm. between getting airplanes out uh, or, or not. Uh, you know, we're using other startups to sort of think about how um, AI and machine learning can change the way airlines price into the future. So it's been really, uh, really exciting. And, um, you know, not all of the, not all of the investments we make right. work. You sure. have to be willing to to make some that, that don't work, but for the most part, we've been very happy with what we've seen. Oh, that's great. I've heard that one of the great things about the Gladly platform is that sometimes when you, you know, depending on how you contact yeah. the airline, you get transferred from person to person. Yeah. You have to repeat the same story over and over, but this platform yeah. allows, allows yeah. it follows you, yeah, I understand. Correct. So in fact, I was using it, you know, uh, probably two or three months ago, I was out in our call center and I got trained and not then, I'm not, I was not proficient enough to be left by myself. <laughs> Uh, but I was, you know, I was conversing with customers on who were texting and, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, using the web chat. And uh, it's for some things, it's a much more efficient way of communicating because the answer could be quite simple. Uh, so a customer doesn't have to call up and hang on. You know, they can literally um, you know, sort of uh, just text you and, and, and get an answer. Uh, and it also helps us increase productivity because for right. certain things, you can be ha actually having two or three conversation at the same time. I, you know, uh, after, after about half an hour doing it, I was comfortable enough having two conversations. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm going to be here a few days before I can open a third, because I'll get, I'll get confused. <laughs> well, did you resolve their issues? Uh, of course. We <laughs> always resolve our customers' issues. It might, or maybe the crew member next to me helped me resolve the issue. <laughs> oh, oh, great. Well, I know one thing we always ask, um, window, aisle, middle seat? Oh, well, uh, so I always do an aisle seat because I'm, you know, when I fly JetBlue, like, we work. So mm -hmm. we uh, often will give away tickets. We'll, we'll help the crew members uh, with the service and, and just talk to our crew members. And so we've got to be up and about. Can't, can't sleep on the window seat. And I understand one of the things uh, everyone pitches in once the plane lands, if you're, if you're yeah, part so of the team. Yeah, so, yeah, if, you're f if you work for JetBlue um, and the airplane's on a turn, needs to be clean, then uh, we all put on some glue gloves and help uh, 
clean the airplane. That's another reason we uh, keep our costs uh, down as, as well. Very good. It's good to have it in. Um, I know that you guys have done a lot of work on the terminal out at, at um, JFK. Yeah. There's yeah. some new restaurants coming in, yeah. in possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite? Uh, well, um, I mean, um, uh, when I'm there, I don't normally get to sit to eat because there's a lot of things, uh, <laughs> a lot of things all going on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I've been known to do that too. But um, uh, no, I mean, it's uh, you know, we've been in that, we've been in Terminal Five now for just over ten years, and uh, uh, you know, I think we've always had a try to use and work with local brands and companies that are based in New York, and the chance to bring in more sort of New York. Uh, themed uh, restaurants and, and uh, um, concessions, I think is really exciting. And yeah. so we're looking, uh, looking forward it to that. It gives the, um, I guess it gives each airport a real personality, right? Yeah, it I mean, people are tired safe. of all the big chains in these, you know, yeah. a lot of these places. They want, they want, they want something different. And mm -hmm. so uh, that's what we try and do. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. And I understand you also have, that you've done a lot of work out there, but you also have some new plans for the yeah. terminals so out there? Yeah, uh, so we're in uh, uh, lease negotiations with the, uh, the port about um, uh, taking over the old T6 and T7 uh, uh, facility. You know, I think um, the, the governor's vision for uh, JFK Airport is extremely exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as New York's hometown airline, we want to be uh, part of that. It's great to see investment in infrastructure uh, because that's an another way, I think, as uh, the need for aviation grows, that we can keep up with it. It's all very well airlines ordering more fuel efficient airplanes, but if airports can't keep up with the growth, then, you know, where are they going to go? Right. Uh, and so, uh, no, I think uh, it's been great to be part of that, um, you know, part of that vision. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, eventually getting a shovel in the ground and, and building it. That's great. So any predictions for what we're going to see uh, next five years, next 10 years, maybe even next 20 years? In aviation? In aviation. Well, I think, um, you know, I think uh, we talked about this earlier, but I think there's going to be a massive focus on sustainability. I think mm -hmm. this is going to uh, move very quickly and the industry has to uh, get ahead of it. You know, we're already seeing it in Europe with the sort of flight shaming uh, mm -hmm. network. And even, uh, you know, people say, well, that's not going to come to the U.S. I believe it will. I mean, if you yeah. already look yeah. at some surveys, there are people questioning whether aviation is committed to uh, the issue of climate change. So, I mean, I think for me, that's a huge issue. And then uh, infrastructure, you know, and making right. sure that whether it's on the ground at airports, in the air with the air traffic control system, uh, and airlines with their new equipment, that we all collaborate and work together to allow the system to scale and grow safely uh, uh, whilst making sure that we do it in a sustainable way. Um, what do you think we'll see on the internet? Where do you think the growth will be for flights? Will it be in the US? Will it be Europe? Where do you think we're going to see? Well, anywhere JetBlue flies, we're gonna gr it's going <laughs> to grow because <laughs> uh, you, uh, you know the biggest way we can encourage growth is to lower fares. And right. the reason that so why the reason that um, uh, particularly Europe, they ha we haven't seen as much growth as I think we can is because these fares have stayed too high for too long. So that's okay. a plug for the JetBlue <laughs> growth story once again. So there you go. Well, Mr. Hayes, thank you no, thank so you. much for joining us this morning. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank um, you. And I now I'd like to turn our program over to my colleague, um, Libby Casey, who's going to be talking about the regional airline market. Thank you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.